Hey everyone, thank you for joining us again this week on our podcast. We're going to go ahead and wrap up our series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I was praying about where to go and and trying to find the right direction. There's so many different places you could go next in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and studying out how he goes and operates in the believer's life. And I was drawn back to Jesus's words in the book of John about the Holy Spirit when he said that when the spirit of truth is come, he will lead you and guide you in all things. And he'll, he also said that he'll take what's mine and show it unto you, meaning that the Holy Spirit, what he's going to be doing here under this new covenant of grace that we live under is he's going to be taking everything that belongs to the Father, everything that belongs to Jesus, everything that they desire for us, and show it to us. And, and I thought that, um, you know, looking at his role here, in this new covenant and and how he relates to us would be a really good spot to go next and I just felt that was the spot we needed to go. So let's go ahead and take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and we're going to run through some things. I've got I've got so much I want to get through uh, but we've only got so much time. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, or, or some translations say, as able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Watch this now. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And we touched on here in verse 7 um, a, a few weeks ago. He says, If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit be not more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now, Paul is not going and, and talking down about the Ten Commandments here. He's, he's exalting them. He's saying, look, these were so good. They were so awesome. You know, you, you were just going and, and bragging about it. And, um, you, you know, being from, from Connecticut originally, uh, the the example that springs to mind is, uh, ironically, pizza of all things. And and so you go and you, you come to a place like Texas, and you know we've got Mexican restaurants all over the place. But uh, you know just just as many Mexican restaurants are down here, are as as many Italian restaurants are up in Connecticut. And so people go and oh yeah, I love pizza. Pizza's great. Pizza's awesome. And you know they go and it's it's Domino's, it's Pizza Hut, it's Papa John's, and it's you know it's it's pizza. It's good. There's, there's, you know, pizza, it's pizza's pizza. Who doesn't like pizza? But when you go and you've had something good, if you've had, you know, a, a slice of New York pizza, you know, from one of those really good hole in the walls that only takes cash and, um, you know, you, you have to walk around three different ways to find it. And there's, there's no directions on Apple maps or anything like that. If, if you've had that pizza, you don't come out of there saying that, Papa John's was good or Pizza Hut was good. It was good in its time and it had its place, but once you've tasted the better, you don't want anything else. You only want the good thing. You only want the good stuff. What uh, what's better than the other? And that's what Paul's saying here. This this ministry of the 10 commandments, it was good. It was glorious. It had glory, but it pales in comparison to the new. The, the, the glory of the New Testament outshines the glory of the Old Testament. Uh, ver- verse 11 says, For if what, what is passing away was glorious, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament was passing away, and it was glorious, <clears throat> what remains 
is much more glorious. And so he goes and really begins to dive into this here and um, looking at the glory of the Old Testament compared to the New Testament and how the Holy Spirit ministers to us under the New Testament. Now let's go ahead and look in Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at chapter 5. Deuteronomy 5, and, and this is when, uh, you know, th this is sort of the recap of, of the Ten Commandments here. And so Moses has gone and called all the Israelites together, and we, we saw this, you know, take place over the course of a couple chapters in, um, in Exodus. But th this is the, the recap, and he goes and goes through all the Ten Commandments, and then he, uh, you know, he's... Notice when he gives the Ten Commandments, and it's it's really clear if you read the book of Exodus, and we, we don't have time right now, but there's, uh, you know, 11 or so chapters in between these these things in, in the book of Exodus. And, and he says this, um, you know, after the Lord spoke the Ten Commandments directly to Israel, then the children of Israel cried out, and they said, surely, uh, Exodus 5.24, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. We've heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet man still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore. Then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You go near and hear the talking to Moses, verse 27. You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says and we will hear it and do it. So God's saying here, I want to talk to you guys face to face. And he goes and he gives them the Ten Commandments and, you know, no other gods before me and remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And he goes through all, all these different things and God's desiring to deal with them face to face. You see, all prior to this in the Old Testament, God is dealing with all the descendants of, of Adam who, who, are, who are sensitive to him. He's dealing with them, talking with them face to face. He would go and reveal himself to Abraham and say, Abraham, walk before me and be blameless and upright. Enoch, he, he, he went and was walking alongside Enoch and, and they were so close and uh, he just got caught up and just stepped over to the other side and his body wasn't even found. You, you know, so God is going and he is constantly and consistently dealing with these people, going and uh, talking with them, not face-to-face, -face, but uh, talking to them and revealing his will to them. And, and yet the Israelites are saying here that, God, we're scared. We see the fire. We see the smoke. We see the, you know, the big show, the, the, the lightning, the, everything going on that God had to do to hide his glory from unsaved man because you know, if, if mankind had seen his glory in all its fullness, then, um, you, you know, it, it obviously wouldn't have ended well for, for sinful people. <clears throat> and they go and say, God, we step back a second here. You go and talk to Moses, and Moses will tell us what to do. And, and then you see what happens is, is they go and they get the Ten Commandments on the tablets, and then, and then they wanted everything spelled out for them. You, you see... God was going and dealing with Abraham prior to this on a, Abraham, ask me what to do. Follow me and I'll bless you. But they want everything written out. So, so not only is don't commit adultery, 
you know, not enough. It needs to, it needs to be really clear, you know, don't, don't sleep with your sister. Don't sleep with, uh, you know, your neighbor's wife, this, that, and the other. And there's, you know, there's 20 something verses. I mean, it goes on and on over every conceivable situation. And it's, they wanted it written and spelled out to the letter of this behavior is okay. And this behavior is not okay. And, you know, that's, that's, under the old covenant, and, and Paul writes and says that was glorious, but watch how the Spirit ministers to us under the new covenant. Let's go ahead and look at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8 and uh, verse 7, and, and the writer of Hebrews says here, for if the first covenant, referring to the law, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Now pause. He, he's not saying that there was fault in the covenant itself, Paul goes and writes in, in Romans, I believe it is, that the law was perfect, that the law itself was perfect, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It showed sinful man just how sinful he was. Uh, so, so where is the fault? The fault lies with us, with, with humans, with, with humanity's inability to keep the law. So finding fault with them, finding fault with them, the Israelites, he says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And, and we know that we are spiritual Israel. We've been grafted in to that, that tree of Abraham. Uh, verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this covenant or this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write, I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins and lawless deeds I'll remember no more. And in that he says a new covenant in that he is made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us here exactly how the new covenant operates. The new covenant is not a list of rules and regulations. It's not law 2.0. It's not, uh, you, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago that, uh, you know, Peter and, and James and, you know, they, they went and first they started off preaching, you know, be Jewish, but be saved. And it was, you know, and then Peter got the vision of the, uh, you know, the, the sheep being lowered down. And uh, when the sheep was lowered down and he saw the unclean animals in it and the Lord told him, rise, Peter, kill and eat, you know, and Peter threw up his hands and complained and said, you know, Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. The Lord said, don't call anything I've made unclean. And Peter, you know, goes and writes in the law, uh, in the law 2.0 and, and Jesus plus Judaism and says, okay, pork is okay. Shellfish is okay. We can go and do these things. Gentiles add them in. Grace-based Judaism. That's what they need. And then Paul goes and and if you read through the book of of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Paul, or, or, or rather all of Paul's epistles, he's going and completely dismantling this idea of grace-based Judaism. He's saying no more, and, and this bears witness with what the writer of Hebrews is saying, no more is your Christianity, your life with Christ, based on a list of do's and don'ts. It's lived under the leading, under the unction, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and the things that Paul writes aren't commandments, they're just kind of guidelines so that you can see, hey, these are the kinds of things that, that fall under 
the the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, is it is it full of love? Is it full of joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, uh, you know, self-control? Against such there is no law. These are these are the kinds of things that go and, and line up there. We we see that there's there's two commandments here for us to follow that we go and we we love, you know, not just our our neighbor as ourselves, we love them as Christ loved the church. And we love the Lord our God with everything we've got. And if I love my neighbor, if I'm going and I'm living in love, I, I don't need a list of, well, you know, you can't steal from your neighbor and don't sleep with your neighbor's wife and you can't go do this and you can't go do that and this isn't okay and don't eat that type of food. No, because I can go and I can judge and say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do. Show me how to act in this situation. I don't know how to resolve this conflict. What would love do here? If I love my neighbor... If I love my neighbor as Christ loved the church, how would Christ respond to me? And, and so that's, that's the way the Holy Spirit goes and leads us. And, and he'll go and as you spend time with him and, and in prayer, he'll go and he'll just give you a nudge. And he'll say, hey, go and talk to this person. Hey, go and have a conversation with them. Go and, you know, buy this person, uh, buy, buy this person dinner. Uh, give your waitress an extra five bucks. She could use it this month. And, and we, we go and... We live our lives under this leadership and this guidance of the Holy Spirit, not under this written list of do's and don'ts, because the written list of do's and don'ts kills. The written list of do's and don'ts brings condemnation. It brings bondage. It, it, you know, uh, Paul even says that when, uh, when we, we have a commandment against something, that sin strength is in the law. Literally, that when we, we put a command against don't do this, you know, taste not, touch not, handle not, all these things. All it does is it increases the desire to do them. And that's what we've seen in, in modern day church because we've gone and we've had this, this list of rules that was handed down from, from Peter and James to the Catholic Church. And then Martin Luther went and got the revelation of we're saved by grace through faith. And he got that from the Holy Spirit. But he went and added his 95 theses and, and his judgments on the law and where they missed it. And somebody else tacked on their judgments of when Martin Luther missed it. And we go and we have these rules and these regulations and these things that all they do is they, they go and they tie us up into bondage when we should be concerned, not with am I following these rules and regulations, but how can I best love my neighbor? How can I go and listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit within me? And, and the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll remember the, the prophets there and he, he was fleeing from the king uh, King Ahab, I believe it was, and he's going and he's hiding out and he's, you know, he's just down in the dumps and he's looking for a sign from God and it says that there was a fire and the Lord wasn't in the fire and there was an uh, earthquake and the Lord wasn't in the earthquake and then there was the wind and there was a tornado. The Lord's not in the wind. The Lord's not in the tornado. And then he heard a still small voice. That was the Lord speaking to him. The Lord was in that still small voice. And that's how he leads us and guides us. And as you're more sensitive to this, as you're led by the Spirit, you don't need to go and consult a list of, of rules and regulations. I don't need to go and sit here and look at 1 Corinthians 13. And as much as I love 1 Corinthians 13, I don't need to go and sit here and say, okay, I love my wife. So I am going to go ahead and I am going to suffer long and be kind and not envy and not parade myself and not be puffed up. And I'm going to make sure that I treat Shelby kindly, not rudely, not seek my own with Shelby. No, 
I, I don't need to go and, you know, these are all reminders of how the Spirit lives, so I can go and say, anything that goes contrary to that, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's not the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit might tell me while Shelby's gone, you know what, go clean the bathroom, do the dishes, do something that's going to bless her, something that's going to honor her, that's going to make her feel loved and valued and, and appreciated. And as we go and do that, that's what life is in the Spirit. It's, it's where we go and we say, Lord, use me. I'm open to be used today. Show me what I need to do. Show me how I can speak life into somebody today. Show me how I can witness to somebody. Show me how I can minister to somebody and set somebody free. And if we go and do that, rather than trying to boil it down to, well, you've got to go and follow the rules and you've got to go and make sure that we're, we're going to go and, and check off, you know, the, the entire checklist. I've got, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and tab A into slot B and, you know, so on and so forth. We're putting ourselves under bondage again. We're putting ourselves back under the law and completely uh, disregarding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Paul was very adamant against this. He said that, you know, the, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that when he went to go visit the apostles in Jerusalem, he saw Peter going and eating with the Gentiles and, and enjoying himself some, you know, so, some pork and, and shrimp and all these other things. And, but then when James came and, and the people from headquarters showed up, Peter went and completely distanced himself from him and began to preach grace-based Judaism again. And Paul said, I withstood him to his face. The only time he got upset and offended and and worked up on these things is when people were going and trying to put them under the law rather than letting people be led by the Holy Spirit and trying to put them under do this and don't do that and make sure that you do this. And you know what? It's not about you need to follow a specific diet plan. The Holy Spirit might nudge you and say, hey, have a salad today. Because under this new covenant, he's not going and leading you and guiding you based on these rules and regulations. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to literally come and, and teach you what you need to know, to come and guide you and to, to shape you. And, and that is living a life led by the Spirit of God. And as we live a life led by the Spirit, we're more effective for the kingdom. Thank you again for joining us. We're so glad that you tuned in this week, and we look forward to continuing again next week. Go ahead and check out our, our Facebook page. It's uh, By Grace International. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, at By Grace INTL, and feel free to go ahead and check out our website. It's www.bygraceinternational.com. And while you're there, go ahead and make sure you sign up for our mailing list. Uh, when you go and sign up for our mailing list, we're going to send you not only our monthly partner letter, we're also going to send you a free download, uh, a, free, a free message that I preached a few months ago, and it's called Faith is Not a Formula, and it's, it's all about how... You know, the life of faith is a life of being led by the Spirit of God. And that as we're led by the Spirit of God, He'll, He'll show us what to say about a situation. He'll show us how to handle, how to address specific things that need to be handled and addressed. And also, while you're there, please pray about uh, becoming a monthly partner with this ministry financially. As you go and as you partner with this ministry, as Paul says, freely, uh, willingly, not under force or compulsion, um, you know, we believe that not only will God richly bless you, but that you ultimately are the ones responsible for everything that we do in this ministry. As you go and give, you become a partaker in what we're doing to the point that you're the ones who are going to these churches and, and helping churches and helping uh, different ministries and be more effective in what they're doing. That's all thanks to you. And so uh, please go ahead and, and pray about that and consider that, and we will see you next week.